It's great to have the opportunity to uh, turn our attention to this 35th chapter of the book of Isaiah. I'm going to pray for us and ask that God would help us to make the most of our time here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for these words. I pray, Father, that by your Holy Spirit, you would bring life and challenge and change to us through this word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's, uh, it's great to be continuing uh, our series uh, in Isaiah. If you've been here, we've done all sorts of things as we've gone through. Uh, lots of history, uh, a big story basically unfolding. I wonder how you like stories. Are you someone who likes suspense in your life, in your stories? Do you, do you like suspense? Uh, my sister's a bit, a bit crazy. She actually gets a book opens to the last page, reads the last page, and then starts reading the book at the other end. Uh, I I was watching Star Wars with my kids uh, the other day. And um, they're not not really so old, so Isaac's five and and Ruby's seven. And uh, it was full, you know, I'm just watching very carefully with them to make sure that we're sorting all this out. And uh, we got to this bit where Darth Vader is um, talking to Luke Skywalker... Um, telling him something about uh, who his family is, if you know the, uh, if you know the scene. And uh, the kids are on the edge of their seats going, Dad, Dad, does he die? Does he die? And, uh, and I, I, like they literally were unable to watch. They're sort of squirming. I went, okay, this would be the bit where we fast forward. But I, but I said, kids, he doesn't die. And they're like, oh, good. Okay, fine. Well, let's watch it then, you know. Uh, there's a sense in which for them, so long as they know that in the end it's going to be okay, that's all right, we'll watch whatever, whatever to get there, because in the end, we know that it's going to be okay. In the end, we know that it's going to be okay. Well, maybe, maybe a bit of suspense is okay. In fact, as adults, don't we hate spoilers? Isn't that the, the thing? That's a thing we hate. Lots of us will say, don't tell me, don't, don't tell me. I want to be able to read it for myself and have, this, have that feeling of suspense. We actually relish it, don't we? Not knowing the end. So maybe, uh, maybe suspense is okay in the movies. Maybe suspense is okay in the movies. But I want to think for a second about the parts of our life where being in suspense isn't always pleasurable. So maybe when we're unwell and you're thinking... I'd really like to know that everything will work out fine in the end. And there's that sense of suspense. I don't know. I actually have no guarantee that a particular outcome will happen. And at that point, in the midst of our uncertainty, the suspense isn't something that you would like to make sure you have. It's something you'd like to to make sure you remove. We don't know the future, and so it causes deep anxiety. How about with our finances? Some of us might be under pressure at a particular point in time, either through losing a job or uh, just changes in interest rates, although they used to go up. Do do you remember this? It's not always good news, in case you hadn't... If you've only had a home loan for a little while, don't worry. They apparently occasionally go the other direction. And and when when that happens, can we make ends meet? Can we get through this crisis? That suspense isn't enjoyable, it's terrifying. Maybe it's a suspense in your relationship. 
you're wondering, does it get better? Does it get better than it is now? Can it change for the good? I'm pushing it uphill at the moment. I'm hanging in there. I'm hoping. And the not knowing, that's the suspense that you'd rather be without. And maybe fourthly, you're in the midst of depression or despair and you would like to know that there'd be a day when it wouldn't afflict you. You'd like to know that there would be a day when you could be free of the crashing weight and burden. But you're not sure. On days like this, in situations like this, suspense, the not knowing what the future will be, what the future holds for us, can be overwhelming. And what I want to say today, without trivialising this at all, is to say, what if we could take the suspense away? What if we could take the suspense away? What if we could know the end of the story? Let's, uh, let's dive into God's Word here today and have a look at our, uh, our map. Hopefully you're getting very familiar uh, with, uh, with the layout of, uh, of God's canvas here where this big story is being written. And we have the kingdom of Assyria up here. Assyria had come down and taken off Israel and taken them back up here. And then a new power rises up, a nation called Babylon. And Babylon comes and Isaiah is saying, watch out. This nation called Babylon is going to come. They're going to pick you up, Judah, and they are going to take you far, far away. They're going to take you far, far away. Indeed, you're going to be in exile. Have a look at... uh, Oh, did that pop up there? We're going to have to go backwards and forwards again. It was Jeremiah uh, chapter 29. Here it comes. Thank you. And back. And there's a scripture, Jeremiah 29, verse 1. Uh, We're going to stay in Isaiah 35, so if you don't want to flip to this one, that's fine. But I want you to hear, this is Jeremiah writing about the time. It says, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. In the future, God's people are going to lose the promised land and end up far away in Babylon. It's the situation that is just about to happen that Isaiah is prophesying about, is saying will take place. But he's not only telling us that it will happen, that they'll go, the chapter that was read for us today by Meg tells us one day they'll come back. One day they'll come back from this faraway place and go back to the promised land. And so I want to suggest to you that they will go into exile, but they'll come back. Have a look at my little Bible overview here. Uh, I really love this series of pictures that tells us the story from creation all the way through to new creation. This is what the, the Bible's about in, in my picture here. So we go, we go through the story of the Old Testament here. We have them coming into the promised land. We have kings. We have the exile, the broken down city. They get taken away. And then we finish the Old Testament with this really awesome road here with flowers on the side. Who knows what a crocus is? Anyway, some of our Chesalonian residents know what a crocus is. I had to Google it. Anyway, flowers blooming. There's a road at the end of the Old Testament saying they'll come back from exile. They'll come back from being far away. And then the New Testament picks up with Jesus, his death and resurrection, the birth of the church, his return and judgment, and then new creation. 
I want to show you that because I want to show you how the story here that we're looking at here today actually points all over the place in the Bible. Have a look with me. Firstly, we're told that the people will go into exile in Babylon. That's fine, broken down up here. Then one day they will return. That's this beautiful highway here with the flowers on the side of the road. What does that remind us of? What does it sound like when we listen to Isaiah 35 through the eyes of the Bible? Well, it sounds a little bit like the Exodus. Do you remember the Exodus? Um, Some of the younger people, Prince of Egypt, if you haven't read your Bibles, there's a movie about it. It's pretty good. I don't think Gods and Kings is the same, but... um, The story of God saving his people out of Israel, where they were slaves, sorry, out of Israel, out of Egypt, where they were slaves, and taking them out to the promised land. They go out with rejoicing. They leave their slave masters behind and make a journey to the promised land. That's the Exodus. Well, this return sounds a little bit like that. Then we have stuff in there about people running and dancing, the lame and the blind. That sounds a bit like the ministry of Jesus, doesn't it? And then some of the language is so amazing about deserts turning into water parks um, that it actually sounds like new creation, the last bit of the Bible. I want to show you how those connections work and why they're important for us. Um, So look up here. We're okay to look up here. If you want to dive around in your Bibles, you're free to. But in Deuteronomy, this is where we hear about the exile. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from Egypt. Does anyone know what redeemed means? Saved? Yeah, bought back. Basically, if something uh, gets put into the um, cash converters, uh, right, Uh, you've you've handed it over and and you've got some money for it, okay? In order to get it out of cash converters, you'd have to pay some money to get your stuff back. Does that make sense? Okay, that's redeemed. Bought back again. Bought back again from being sold. Okay? So God redeemed his people from the land of slavery in Egypt. That was when he saved them at the start. Have a listen to the parallel in our our passage here in Isaiah 35. So get Isaiah 35 open. It'll be good to have it in front of us. And we'll see how Isaiah 35 sounds like a new exodus. Have a look with me at verses 9 to 10. Isaiah 35, verses 9 to 10, says this, No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. Similar language, isn't it? God redeems his people from Babylon and he rescues them. He saves them from where they were slaves. Brilliant. So we have in this prophecy a new exodus. That's pretty cool. Have a look up here. Uh, I want you to think a little bit about, it talks about ears and eyes in this chapter 35. Remember back to chapter 6 of Isaiah. Listen to this. Remember, Matt preached a great sermon about Isaiah seeing God. And Isaiah sees God, and it's awesome. And then God says, who will go for me? And Isaiah says, I think I'm the only person here. Send me. And, And God says, well, here's the message I've got for you. The message is, speak to these people 
so that they will be ever hearing but never understanding, ever seeing but never perceiving. And he goes, what? I've got to talk to people who won't get my message. And then he goes, for how long, Lord? And God says, until the cities lie ruined. So I was like, oh, pick someone else, please. So it's said here in Isaiah 6 that the people will be blinded and made deaf to the message of God. Have a look with me in Isaiah 35 and see what an amazing turnaround God is going to bring about in this return. Have a look at verse 5 of chapter 35. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Now you might have thought that was just a physical miracle. And it is good, isn't it? Deaf ears hearing is good. Blind eyes seeing is good. But the wonderful change is it's spiritual as well. Now, when God brings his people back, they'll get it. They'll hear his message. They'll see his goodness. They will know and love God again. So it's not just a physical miracle. It's a spiritual miracle that God's going to do when he brings his people back. Now, as I said, that sounds a little bit like Jesus, doesn't it? Remember my uh, talk a couple of, uh, might have been a month ago. I talked about prophecy as having two kinds. There's prophecy that's got a present fulfillment. And then there's prophecy that has a future fulfillment. What that means in practice is this. Some of it will be relevant to now, when they come back from Babylon, and some of it will have its fulfillment far off in the future with Jesus And so we see here, it says, the lame, in verse 6 of chapter 35, the lame will leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. If nothing else, it sounds like a good party, doesn't it? Sounds pretty good. Have a listen to this description of the ministry of Jesus in Matthew Matthew 15. It says this, The people were amazed when they saw, wait for it, the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking and the blind seeing. And they praise the God of Israel. See that? The people were wondering, is there going to be a day when we'll come back from slavery? Yes. And then Jesus comes and he starts doing the things that they were hoping would happen. Really, not just spiritually, but physically as well. Lame people walking, blind people seeing, mute people singing. Jesus is bringing about the next level of fulfillment for this prophecy. And it's very exciting. And I imagine the people at the time were blown away uh, to see God at work. But even Jesus' fulfillment is just a little part. There's still something even more that you and I can be waiting for. So we've got lame leaping like a deer, mute tongues shouting for joy, and water in the wilderness. Here's what it says in Revelation 21 the end of the Bible. Here's what it says. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. See, the prophecy was that people would come back and they'd be spiritually renewed. Then Jesus came and he physically renewed people. And we're looking forward to the final day when it will be spiritual and physical and complete. Because here's the thing, I don't know if you ever thought about this. Did you know that the people that Jesus healed, even the people he raised from the dead, died? Did you know that? It's worth thinking about, isn't it? They were healed, but they died. 
Here's the thing that's going to happen at the end, though. We're going to be healed, restored, made whole, and it will never cease. That's a pretty great promise, isn't it? That's the hope that's before us, the hope of glory. I want you to see here the God of great reversals. The God who brings about the fulfilment of this sort of prophecy. Uh, I love this. Have a look with me. We'll read down verses 1 to 6 and chapter 35. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. Now, here's the thing. I reckon most people here are sitting around going, oh, the glory of Lebanon. Sure, yeah, yeah, I know what that is. What is the glory of Lebanon? Big, tall trees. The cedars of Lebanon are the glory of Lebanon. What are we talking about? We're talking about a desert here that will receive the glory of Lebanon. Not just a couple of little shrubs, but forests will spring up. Talk about a great reversal. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue sing for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. I, I could ask you to count all the reversals there, but it's Sunday morning and that's probably too hard, isn't it? Do, do you see the reversals? They're extraordinary. In fact, have a look up here on the screen. This, this is what we're talking about. Desert becoming a forest, yeah? Becoming a forest lifeless wilderness being flooded with life and water. It's an incredible picture of the God who brings reversals, wilderness to wetland. That's our God. That's our God. And, and let's think about that for a second. Is that normally possible? No. Okay, good. Just save you a little bit of time. No, rhetorical question. No, no. Not normally possible. Unlikely to see cedars in the desert, yeah? Far more likely, like with the growth of the Sahara, that productive land will get turned into desert. That's what happens in our, in our world, isn't it? But this is God at work. Remember, Jesus meets a leper, right? In his time, a leper is unclean. So if he touches the leper, generally what would happen is, if you touch someone who's unclean, what happens to you? You become unclean. Right? Someone who's ritually unclean, who's not right before God, if you touch them, the uncleanness flows to you. Our God, in the person of Jesus, walked around in a world with unclean people. And what did he do? He saw lepers and he touched them. And what happened there? Holiness, fullness, healing, life flowed this way. The impossible happened. Because our God is the God of great reversals. Great reversals. Have another look. I, this, these pictures are so vivid. Have, have a look at this bit here. Oh, go back. Just the next little bit here. Yeah, right, over-clicking. Um, we're going to have a look at this last little bit here. Think about that desert picture, 35, 7 to 10. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbly, bubbling springs... 
In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. A highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. The wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. It's beautiful, isn't it? Sorrow and sighing will flee away. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. The desert won't just have a puddle in it. It'll have a spring in it. Isn't that brilliant? Not a puddle, but a spring. I just love this picture of the God of great reversals and the trackless waste having a holy highway. A straight line saying, this is the way home. Follow the life back to the promised land. Brilliant. I'm saying to you today, ultimately, ultimately, we can know the end. Ultimately, we can know the end. The end is that if we follow the holy highway, we will sing. We will sing. There will be a day when you and I, God willing, get to glory. We stand there fully restored in the presence of our great God and you and I will praise him for the extraordinary reversal of all the damage that sin and sickness and sorrow have wrought on our souls. That's the end that's before us. That's the glorious outcome. Does that mean that my finances will never cause me to fret? No. Does it mean that my relationships will be ma- magically solved and made easy? It doesn't. But if you have a look with me, if you have a look with me uh, here, it says that they're to do something with their knees. Have a, have a look at, um, at verse 3. Chapter 35, verse 3. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts. There is weakness. There is feebleness. There is fear. Say to those in those situations, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. See, it's not just buck up, stiff up a lip. That's not the advice of the Christian life. It's set your eyes on the goal, know your final destination, and be strengthened in the faithfulness of God. Well, in light of that, what can we no longer do? If we've heard that, what can we no longer do? What, we, what do we have to stop doing in our lives? Well, first thing I think we have to stop doing is be surprised by adversity. Have we arrived at our destination yet? We haven't, have we? As brilliant as church is. And we get to sing, don't we? Which is great. A little taste 
a little taste of that final day. As brilliant as this moment might be, you and I know we are still far short of the heavenly city. And if that's the case, there will be fear. There will be hands that need strengthening. There will be knees that are feeble. Don't be surprised by adversity on the pathway. It's part of the walk. These things will all find their place in our lives. We shouldn't be surprised by them and we shouldn't be overwhelmed by them. What must we do? What must we do? If we know that's true, if we know where we're going, if we know that God's a God of great reversals, what must we do? Well, here's three suggestions. First of all, we must trust the great reversal is still to come. See, it's possible for you and I to decide, well, God's forgotten. You might have a brilliant plan for the universe, God, but you're late on my schedule, yeah? Yeah, because I needed you, I needed you to come and sort this out about a year ago. Keep trusting that the God of the great reversal hasn't forgotten you. Has a time and a date prepared that will be just right. Keep trusting him. He hasn't changed. He's still faithful. It will still come. Believe in it. Wait for it. Secondly, we should encourage each other to endure. See, I might need to put my hand on my brother's shoulder and say, mate, keep going. Keep going. Keep hanging in there. We're not there in glory yet, and your knees look like they need strengthening. Can I help you? Can I walk with you? We must be those who encourage one another to endure. It's one of our values. Have a look over here. Enduring. It's one of the things that we say we want. Not just just disciples who start a new life and go, this is brilliant. Oh, it's really hard. I'm out. We want to say this is brilliant and it's really hard and we'll walk with you that together we might find a place in glory. We want to be a church that's living your life for Jesus faithfully, adventurously, but enduringly as well. And that's a job of fellowship that we'll need to do together. Thirdly, I want you to give thanks with me for God's saving grace. See, how were they to come back from Babylon? Well, it wasn't like they just punched a ticket into the, uh, the claims uh, desk at the uh, Babylon central office and said, oh, I tell you what, people of Israel here, I say we've been here a little bit too long. Can we go home now? Is that all right by you? Have we had enough time out? It's not what happened. People can't leave being in exile, in slavery in a foreign country. That's God's work. By grace, God brought them back. By grace, we're saved not what we've done it's what god has done for us in jesus so if we remember this we should be giving thanks that he's prepared a way in the person of his son jesus what might we do next i like having a little you know extra effort part of the homework this is for the super keen students okay so uh here's here's two things i suggest that you might want to do uh have a look at revelation Chapter 22. Let's, let's do it. Go right now. Go right to the end of your Bible. If you've never been to Revelation before, say hi. Uh, go to the, the back cover of your Bible and come back just a little touch past the bits that no one ever reads to, uh, to chapter 22 and verses 1 to 3. 
Just listen to these words. Chapter 22 of Revelation. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. See this water in this picture of glory? As clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of that city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. Seriously, if that doesn't stir your heart, I, I kind of want to say, oh, you know, find something else to do on Sunday morning, seriously, because it's awesome, isn't it? Isn't that great? That is that's a beautiful picture. And so what I want to suggest to you is this. Refresh yourself in the vision of the end. If you haven't read the last chapter of Revelation recently, don't worry about dragons and beasts and trumpet blasts and hailstones and swords and what just good. I mean, they're, they're brilliant for Bible study. That's what everyone wants to study and we all get confused by it. But here's the thing. As it's been famously said, God wins. God wins. Look at this picture. Ask God to refresh your soul, to give you a holy longing for the place of his presence that we're going towards. Be refreshed in our ultimate destination. Have a read this week. Check it out. And lastly, back in Isaiah 35, it talks about the, uh, talks about the road. It talks about it this way. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on the way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. Here's the thing I thought about this week. Here's the thing I thought about this week as a possible application of this. The, the, the road is called the, the highway of holiness, right? I thought, why don't we set ourselves a holiness goal? Just something that we might grow in. I, I asked people on my Facebook page this week, does anyone set goals? My page exploded. With people who said, I can't set a goal to save myself. And a whole bunch of people who say, I love setting goals. I set them monthly and six monthly and five yearly and ten yearly and here's my goals, which is brilliant. And all I'd say to you is, if you're someone who never sets goals, try setting one area of your life and thinking, I'd like to grow in holiness here. Apparently I'm on a highway heading to this ultimate destination. When was the last time we put our adult mind and effort and resources to pursue holiness? Pick a holiness goal and ask that God might help us grow in holiness. I'm going to pray for us and ask that this ancient scripture might cause us not to wait in suspense in life, but to know for sure that God has a home prepared for those who love him. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for these words from Isaiah. We thank you for his faithfulness in writing it down. We thank you for the glimpse that he got of what it might look like. We thank you for those who stood next to Jesus and saw part of it. We thank you, Father, that you are working part of that by opening our eyes and ears to hear your word. Father, we look forward to the final day, a day where we stand with you in glory, 
around that flowing river before your holy throne. Father, would you give us a passion to get there? Would you give us perseverance in the hardships of life? And would you help us encourage one another so we might stand there together? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.